0: I feel like the words with which Art opened this service were perfectly calibrated to the moment. We give thanks to those who've offered up so much for us and some who've paid the ultimate price. We're also struck with the tragedy in Uvalde. There are so many things that we see in the world that are out of joint, so many things that are wrong, and yet Jesus Christ is Lord and the day is coming. When all will acknowledge that, and every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess. And on that day, all the tears will be wiped from every eye that has looked to God for help and hope. We believe that. We know that. And we give thanks for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Memorial Day. How can we forget the many men and women who have as I said a moment ago, paid the ultimate price for us. We acknowledge that. And every year at First Woodway, besides praying for those families who have lost loved ones, we also call to mind those who have suffered in various ways because there are many who have served that are alive but bear the scars of their service. It might be PTSD. It might be some catastrophic injury. More likely, it's both. There are many who have suffered, and so we want to take time also to acknowledge them and to pray for them and their families and to be a church that can minister to families that have lost loved ones, to families that have loved ones who have been harmed in some way, and to those who've served who are still living with the consequences of their service. I wanted to ask Rusty Hicks to come on up. Rusty, if you'd come, Rusty and Martha are members here at First Woodway. Rusty happens to be one of fewer than 100 people named as an honorary Marine. I think the Marines have been around for, what, 250 years? They sure have, almost. Almost 250 years, and fewer than 100 people have been uh, awarded that honor, and it is because of Rusty's work with those who have been wounded in, in their service of the country. And what I wanted to ask Rusty to do is to come and talk with us for a few moments about how to be the kind of church that can minister to families that, and, and individuals that have uh, maybe some, some scars, maybe literally battle scars. Absolutely, Paul. Well, thank you for this
1: opportunity. I've been blessed to spend many years taking out our nation's combat wounded, ill, and injured, taking them out in the outdoors on what could be a life-changing experience. Back during the war, we all saw the explosions on television. A Mastery Gunnery Sergeant and I would see them in the hospital several days later. And a lot of times, they came in in an induced coma. But regardless, they all came in with the battle scars, the gunshots, the burns, or amputated limbs. And after they were ready to go, we told them about, hey, there's an opportunity. Would would you like to get out out, in the outdoors and go on a hunting trip? And every one of them said, yes. They wanted one thing. They wanted the weapon back in their hand and be treated normal. But the hunting trips weren't the real reason that we started our ministry. It was to get them out around the fire pit. To let them talk about issues that they had before before their devastating injury and talk about their injury. Many times I'm pretty good at starting a conversation and then getting out of the way. And i tell you what, to sit back and listen to the horrific stories that our warriors had was pretty rewarding. But it was also one of, they got things off their chest. It became repetitious, and when it became repetitious, it became easier for them to share their story. And then they took it back to the barracks and shared with other injuries, other injured Marine soldiers, sailors, and airmen. And when they did that, it just had a domino effect. But my friends, there's another star out there. A battle star that we don't see. And that is the post-traumatic stress. Anyone who's ever been in combat knows they're going to come back with some type of PTS. And it's a given. It's the things they see. The things they experience. They bring back the nightmare. So the nightmares are pretty hard to control. There's medicine for that somewhat. There's the oxycontin, the hydrocodone. And we try to, when we get them out in the outdoors, we try to exchange those meds for extra strength Tylenol. You'd be surprised how that works sometimes. But getting them out and getting them back here safely and start working with those that have the PTSD. Engaging in conversation with those injuries that were visible was one thing. But what can we do as a church to help? We can also start engaging in that conversation. Let them know that there's help out there. There's so many wonderful organizations, 501c3, companies out there that are geared to help out. We start that conversation by saying, we love you. And there are better days ahead. But we've got to get that word to them and not not give up. There were the young last quote? I went up in the ICU, which we went many, many times. I walked in the rooms in a wheelchair. I said, hey, how you doing? He turns around and said, who's there? I said, Russie, you better take a step back, fast. And he said, oh, Mr. Hicks, you're the guy Takes everybody hunting. I want to go. I said, well, when do you want to go? He said, let's go. <laughs> and I said, Matt, you get, you get, well, we'll do that. When you get home tonight, I want you to Google the Bionic Marine, Matt Bradford. No limbs, no eyes, no problem. We got to Matt. We will going talk to him. Now he helps others all around the country with their post-traumatic stress. And I want to leave you real quick with one, one message. It's going to make you feel good. It made me feel good when I walked in the door this morning. I met a Vietnam veteran with his navy blouse on. I said thank you for your service. It meant a lot to me. But whenever you see that warrior in a mall, in a movie, movie theater, at church, just walking around, please take the time to go over to him and say, Thank you for your service. Your service is deeply appreciated. And ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea how good it's gonna make that warrior feel. But more importantly, you have no idea how good it's gonna make you feel.
0: Thank you, Rusty. Would you would you pray for our family? Yeah, go ahead. You know, I think, I, I know in our church, uh, many of us uh, have family members or friends with family members who've been affected. It's not like somebody walks around with advertising it, but but they know. And want you to pray for those folks. And our um, prayed for the, the families, Uvalde, but there's four other families in our immediate community. You've seen the news with the students that were killed this last week, just a tragic, tragic uh, event. And um, if you would go ahead and pray for those families as, you, as well, would you do that? I'd, I'd, be, yeah. honored. Okay. I'd be honored,
1: I'd Our Heavenly Father. Father, sometimes there's just no words to explain the situation before us. The tragic loss of life is so horrible. We just don't know what to say, but we do think of healing, We do think of love, and we do think that there are the better days ahead. And, Lord, we give comfort in the fact that we know that you have these four students in your arms. May we pray for the families, the relatives of those affected. May you put your head to safety. May you put your hand of love, and may you put your grace upon them. And, Lord, for our veterans that are out there, some here in this audience that are affected by post-traumatic stress. We too wanna put our hands out for you because we want that healing. We want that love upon you and we want God's grace. And Lord, when you go out to this world, just know that there are people that love you and that there are better days ahead and for that lord we give comfort and we give thanks lord we thank you we love you and we pray in the precious name of our living loving lord jesus christ amen
0: amen rusty thank you for your service to the vets and their families we appreciate that so much so this last week i had the opportunity to sit down and visit at length with uh, a young man a veteran I won't tell his story. That's his story to tell when he wants to tell it. But I can say this. both He has, he has experienced both PTSD and he has, he has the scars to prove it. And he has experienced the extraordinary grace of God. It is a remarkable story of grace to listen to how the Lord has worked in his life. It's still a process. It's still a process, but it is real. And as he was telling me his story, I just had to interject and I said, you know what you're telling me, what you've been through, that is now your calling. That's your calling. And I want to read to you a scripture that formed the basis of that. Why did I say that to him? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, listen to these words that Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ." Now, in the first place, when Paul talks here about suffering or he talks about trouble, he's he's thinking about suffering that comes upon Christians because they're Christians. It's clear from the context. That's uppermost in his mind. Nevertheless, he does speak of all trouble and then of any trouble. And so his language broadens it out. And you can derive an important principle here that when there is trouble, there is comfort, and that comfort enables us to carry on, to to face our trouble with patient endurance, and it enables us to minister to others, to help others who go through the same thing we went through. That's our calling. When God lifts us up, we then have a calling to lift up others who face some of the same things we do. In this passage, he says trouble again and again, trouble and suffering. The Greek word is phlipsis, and no, I don't have a lisp. It comes from the Greek, transliterated over to the English, T-H-L, phlipsis. Not easy to say, but the basic idea of phlipsis, which is translated trouble or affliction, is of pressure. The troubles around you may press in upon you, may burden you, may even cause anguish within. And so the word is used not just of external difficulties, but also of emotional and mental anguish. All trouble, any trouble, Paul says, that takes in most everyone. Now, Paul speaks of those troubles, but he says the God of all comfort comforts us in those troubles. Paraklesis in the Greek, forgive me for referring to another Greek word, but this is really important. Paraklesis doesn't speak of of a pity that makes you feel better. Paraklesis speaks of the instilling of strength It's comfort, yes, but it is, well, it's like encouragement. And I mean that quite literally. Our word comfort comes from the Latin root fortis, which means brave. And the idea here is that God is breathing strength into us, enabling us with courage to face whatever it is that we have to face. The problems don't just disappear, but God gives us what we need on the inside to endure and in the end to triumph. That is the encouragement that God gives. He is the God of all comfort or the God of all encouragement. So whatever the trouble might be, whether it's some problem that presses in from the outside, or some anguish that we feel on the inside, right in the midst of it, the God of all encouragement comes on the scene. He fills us with his presence and power. It doesn't make it easy, but it enables us to endure. And as we endure, we grow stronger and stronger. As Paul says later in Second Corinthians, Though outwardly we may be wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. That's the comfort, the encouragement that God God gives. One of the interesting things about Paul is, if you read his letters, you'll see he never never worries about a problem that we worry about all the time. We worry about how, how in the world someone can actually believe in God when such terrible things happen in this world. In the face of suffering, how can someone believe in a good God? That's a problem that we, we talk about, we think about, we're troubled about. But Paul never talks about that. And sometimes I've wondered why. But when you stop to consider this passage, you realize that for Paul, whatever trouble might be present, God is also present. He says, if you share our sufferings, we know you're going to share our comfort. Doesn't make it easy. I'm certainly not saying that when someone is in the midst of some trauma that you go to them and say, hey, look, it's all fine, God's with you. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that God takes care of his children. God is present, God works. And as he works in us, he does it in part, so that we can encourage other people, so we can pass on what we've received. That's why I was telling this young man you have a ministry, you have a calling. Your calling is to pass on what God has done in your life. And we all have that calling because God has worked in all of our lives. Think about, think about the, the problems that you face, the setbacks the sufferings, the mistakes you've made where God has picked you up when you thought, you thought there was no way you could go forward another day, God took you forward. You think about those times. That's what you pass on to people. That's how you encourage people. I've experienced this in so many ways. I think, I think my, my teaching and preaching... <laughs> probably to a large extent, really comes out of my own experience of God's encouragement that he's given me directly by his Holy Spirit, that he's given me through his people. And I'm able then in some small way to pass that on to others. That's the case with all of us. The thing that comes to my mind right now because of what's happened this month is the situation with my brother. And of course, you know the story I'm never quite sure how to introduce it whenever I talk with someone for the first time because my brother died, but it's, it's more gruesome than that. My brother was murdered, and most of you already know that. And when that happened, I shared with you and I got home. I, 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 I hardly prayed for days days and days. Not because I was angry, not because I I felt cut off from God, but because I just didn't have words to say. I just didn't have words. But throughout that entire time, I felt like I was being upheld by God. I was encouraged by God. And then when I get back, I find people who love me, who are praying for me, who are supporting me. And sometimes it was astonishing. People coming from out of the woodwork, sharing their stories with me, making it very clear that mine wasn't all that unusual. There was a lady who is a member of our church. She's since moved, but she came to my office. She sat down in the chair and she said, I just want you to know, I know how you feel. That's a dangerous thing to say. You got to be real careful before you say to somebody, I know how you feel. But she told me about the murder of her sister decades before. She did know how I felt. And so she encouraged me. And I have since found with the Lord's encouragement and the encouragement the Lord's given through other people, that I am able to speak in situations that I was pretty much mute in before. Because I kind of know some things I didn't know before. The tuition's high, and and I'm not sure I really... (laughs) I'm not thrilled with having paid it. Let's put it that way. There's a Christian philosopher named Nicholas Walterstorff who wrote a book called Lament for a Son, his son was killed in a terrible uh, mountain climbing accident. He and, his, and Nicholas Waltersdorf were together at the time. And in his book, he talks about how he's changed as a person and changed for the better. And then he says, the truth is, I would give all that up if I could just have my son back. And I think sometimes that's how we feel. So what I'm talking about doesn't, it doesn't solve the mystery Of evil in God's world. I mean, God is a good God. God's all powerful, and yet God allows evil and suffering and terrible things to happen. I can't answer that question. I don't understand how that can be. But I do know from what Paul says, from my own experience, that God is present in the midst of every trouble through which we pass, He's present. And it's out of that that we are then able to minister to others. Probably, or at least possibly, the greatest missionary since the Apostle Paul was a Methodist missionary known as, well, his name was E. Stanley Jones. Maybe you've heard of E. Stanley Jones. He served in India for decades. He was a friend with Mahatma Gandhi and witnessed to him on more than one occasion, and he won hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of Hindus to Jesus Christ. What a ministry he had. But he knew his share of suffering and trouble. And in his autobiography, he makes an interesting statement. He says, when you face suffering, when you face trouble, what you must learn to do is to use it to glorify the Lord In other words, he's saying it's a kind of calling. Whatever you face, use it, turn it to service for God. And that is pretty much what Paul's talking about here, that God does minister to us in our need, and then we should turn what he's given us into ministry of our own. We're all called to serve. So think about, think about what you've been through. Think about the troubles that you've had. It's easy to get resentful, hard, be filled with regret. But instead of that, why not consider how God has seen you through it and then consider how God might use you, how God might be calling you to minister to other people. That's what I shared with my young friend this last week. And that's what I would say to everyone here this morning. When we face trouble as Christians, it's not all about how God gets us through it personally. It's not all about how I feel and whether I am at peace. And it's those things, but it's more than those things. It's how God is shaping me to use me. Every problem we face... Every problem we face is a calling to ministry. So when you take this as a whole, I think it calls us to this. First of all, whatever it is that we encounter, whatever trouble we face, we need to lean into God. Don't let yourself think that God is the problem as if God is somehow hard hearted. Allowing this to take place. I don't know why God allows it. But God is an ever-present source of comfort and encouragement. In fact, that term, paraklesis, which means to encourage, it's related to parakletos, which is the name Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, I won't leave you an orphan." I won't leave you all on your own. I will come to you. He said, I'll send you the parakletos, the one who comes and fills us with courage and strength so that we can continue on. So lean into God and then be open to how God would use you. Open your eyes to the people around you. Consider what he has given you not in spite of your troubles and setbacks, mistakes and all the rest, but precisely in them and through them. Consider what God has given you and then give that away. Give that away. Ask, Lord, how would you use me? How can I pass this on? You have been summoned to serve God through the very trouble that the enemy might have used to destroy you. God is with you even now. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your ever-present grace. We thank you for your presence and power that upholds us. Lord, that strengthens us, that encourages us that enables us, Lord, to continue down the path following you and enables us to triumph in the end. We thank you, Lord, that you have never turned your back on us. We don't understand all that happens, but, Lord, you have never, ever failed us. And would you show us how we can take what you've given and give that to others? Help us, Lord, to get out of ourselves long enough to see the needs around us. And then, Lord, give us the courage to step out and touch another life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? As we sing, we have people to pray Underneath the lighted crosses on either side of the room. Your trouble may be of any, <laughs> any imaginable kind. It may be a trouble that essentially presses on you because you're concerned for somebody else. Somebody you love very much. Whatever might be on your heart as we worship, as we sing... Don't hesitate. If you need prayer, would you step out and just head to the cross and there'll be somebody there to pray for you. Amen.